Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids. Leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast. And follow us on IG at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What's going on, Landry Football Network? I am Sky, the host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast with my man's Lucas Kaser, always with us here. Lucas, it's great to have you back. I know you had a couple days off last week. Great to have you back in here. Yesterday, we had a blast with the Kamish team, both Alex and Chris Benavides. Hope to get Eric and Josh on soon as well. Lucas, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I'm ready to – if I had to, like, pick a favorite division, I think the AFC South is probably – I'd say probably my favorite from – I think fantasy, it's definitely one that uh, I think is hard to project for some people. But I think in real football, I think it's definitely one of the most entertaining divisions. And I think more so later – with the Titans sort of come up, I think it's definitely one of the most competitive. Wow, that's interesting. I uh, have not heard that take very often that people are excited about the AFC South because, you know, of course, we're talking about the Titans, the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Texans. And I think that there's a lot of duds and there's also a lot of question marks, I think, on the negative side for the most part, which we're going to break out today. And I think just in general, people are not uh, generally thrilled about the AFC South overall. But you know, that could change this year. There's definitely some some fun fantasy prospects in it. So before we get into today, I want to welcome everybody into the podcast. It is Thursday. We're wrapping up our AFC previews. If you've missed the rest of them throughout the rest of the week, please dial back on our podcast. Anywhere you listen to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, that's YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Also on the Landry Football Network. And of course, you can catch us every Monday through Thursday right here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Lucas and I are holding it down either together or solo with some other guests. Of course, as I mentioned, we had the commish boys on yesterday, Chris and Alex Benavides. They're going to be on each Wednesday, some form of the commish team. Dwayne, our boy Dewey's Nuts on Twitter and Instagram is going to be on on Mondays. Lucas and I will be holding it down for the most part Tuesdays and Thursdays, barring any other unforeseen absences. So we're very excited to be back with you again, approaching episode 250 here on the TCK pod. We're excited about that. We're going to have to do something fun and special for 250, man. And then we're going to be, man, then it's up to 300 about a couple weeks into the season, which is pretty incredible. So it's crazy. Make sure you catch all of the Landry Football Networks on here from high school football to college football, NFL proper, and we are your lone fantasy football station at LandryFootball.com. And again, check us out Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, twitch.tv slash Football, as well as all of the TCK Pod channels. You can get our draft guide at tckpod.com. You can find us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod quick mention about the listener league i know we've been repping that quite a bit this week it has really uh picked up already we have uh, almost we're doing two extra leagues as i've mentioned this week so if you uh, are just tuning in this week or you're catching up on the podcast we have opened up the candlestick kids listener league hashtag tckll Last year, we had a great league. We just had one league, though. It was 12 members. Lucas took that down. Congratulations again, my man. This year, we are opening up to two more leagues, so 24 extra spots from last year. We're going to have those 12 veterans back. We're going to welcome in 24 rookies. I want to be clear about this. Our rookie leagues for the TCK Pod Listener League have nothing to do with your fantasy experience. We are not calling you a rookie because you think you are unexperienced with fantasy football. It just has to do with your uh, attendance in our leagues. If this is your first year in the uh, Candlestick Kids Listener League, you are a rookie. So we're putting you in one of those two leagues just to separate them out. The veterans from last year are going to be in the veteran league. We'll explain that further on. So again, if you'd like to be a part of the Listener League, please make sure you go onto YouTube, you go onto um, anywhere you've listened to our podcast, give an honest review, hit the subscribe button in YouTube, hit the heart right here and follow us on the Landry Football Networks four days a week and you leave us an honest review, send us a screenshot of it, 
Please also let us know how long you've been listening to us, whether it's the last couple of weeks on Landry Football Networks, whether it's the last year, whether it's the last three years since we started this program in 2018. Let us know one thing you appreciate about the podcast and one thing that we can approve on and you would like to see us get better at or maybe focus on more. We've had some great feedback already for some loyal listeners and followers. Super appreciate the honest feedback. Lucas and I want that feedback. We're here for you. So please make sure that that happens as well. So again, we'd love to have you in the listener league, but make sure to go through those couple of steps. Send us an honest review. Send a screenshot of it into our one of our DMs, Instagram or Twitter or Gmail as we've been hitting up by email as well. TCKpod at gmail.com. And let us know one thing you like about the program and something we can uh, get better at moving forward. We appreciate the honest feedback. All right, Lucas, let's jump into this, man. We're talking today about the AFC South. We broke down the AFC West on Monday. You and Dwayne did a great job there. Then we broke down the uh, AFC North on Tuesday, AFC East yesterday with the Kamish boys. And today is the AFC South. So let's talk about the AFC South here. Again, that's the Titans, that's the Texans, that's the Colts and the Jaguars. Now, Lucas, you started the program with saying that this is one of your favorite divisions. Personally, this is one of my least favorite divisions for a number of reasons, both in NFL terms, but also in fantasy. Before we dive into this, why is this division uh, so exciting or you know, uh, why is it one of your favorite divisions here in football? Yeah, I think in real football, I think in terms of like just actual NFL football, I think it's because – Everyone thinks since they're always nine and seven, ten and six, and it always comes down to that final week that it's like bad teams. But like, if, if you think about it, actually, like that just means there's so much competition in this division. I mean, obviously the Jaguars are not what they used to be the last, I don't know, five, not even five years or whatever. When they had the, the whole Blake Bortles run, like this division was like top notch division in terms of the core uh, competitiveness. Obviously, the teams aren't like. Super Bowl contenders, but only one team out of 32 can win a Super Bowl. So that doesn't, that doesn't define how a good a division is. But in fantasy, I think I think it's really because it's this division is easy to project because they're so, like, core players, um, but they're all undervalued, if that makes sense. So I think it's just, like, I don't know what's missing between what's in this division and when it comes to rankings or draft or projections or whatever, like, why there's such a big discrepancy. And then we'll talk about them as we go through them all. Yeah, I like that a lot. And you, you're you're right, actually. I mean, I guess I'm just not super excited about these teams in general over the last couple of years. Of course, Peyton Manning with the Colts was amazing. Andrew Luck with the Colts is amazing. The Jaguars defense for those couple of years was great. Um, of course, the Texans have had their run. I love Deshaun Watson, loved Nuke when he was there. J.J. Watt and Clowney, when they were healthy, had a lot of fun there. Arian Foster is, you know, fantasy football Hall of Famer. Um, you know, and then the Titans have had kind of, you know, they've been eight and eight forever. But last year, they really took that next step when Tannehill came in, rode Derrick Henry, and basically were one game away from the Super Bowl there and, and the eventual Super Bowl champion Chiefs took them out. But on the way, they took down the Patriots. They took down the Ravens. Very impressive there. So I am, I can buy in, I think, on if this division stays healthy, and we'll go through these teams, if the division stays healthy, I think it could be very exciting for NFL and very exciting for fantasy football. There's so many question marks in this division, though, man. It, it, it scares me a little bit to invest too much. But without any further ado, man, let's jump into it. Let's start with the Titans last year, who were really, I, I think, the most exciting story in the NFL outside of maybe the 49ers on the NFC side, of course, who won 11 games over expected last year, one of the best turnarounds in NFL history. The Titans – you know, we're so-so with my boy Marcus Mariota. I think he's going to have a great opportunity eventually with Vegas. I don't believe in Derek Carr. We've already talked about the Raiders, but I do think that uh, Mariota is going to have a fresh start there in, in um, Las Vegas. But he couldn't get it done with the with the, the uh, Titans, whether it was, you know, scheme, uh, whether it was the weapons around him, whether it was, you know, uh, his injuries himself, just lack of production. Couldn't get it done. So they bring in Ryan Tannehill halfway through the season. From that point on, Ryan Tannehill was the most efficient quarterback down the stretch. He was, you know, crushing for fantasy football with efficiency. And the Titans were the most efficient offense in football moving forward the rest of the way. Now, again, they meet up with the uh, with the New England Patriots, who are set for another Super Bowl run. But Mike Vrabel gets the best of his old team, knock off the Patriots. Then they go into Baltimore. They knock off uh, – they really actually dominated the Ravens, to be honest with you, in that game. Yeah. 
and they beat uh, the MVP in Lamar Jackson and knock off the what I think was kind of the Super Bowl favorite, even with the Chiefs there for a minute. The Ravens, they beat the Ravens. They run into Arrowhead Stadium and get beat up by the, the Chiefs. Do you think that this offense, again, is going to run through Derrick Henry? Obviously, he's going to you know potentially lead the, lead the league in carries and maybe lead the league in yards. But do you think that – I mean, defenses have to stack the box, right? Do you really believe that Ryan Tannehill – is going to be as efficient as he was last year enough to when teams are game planning for the Titans weekly, they're going to say, yeah, we got to put guys in the box for Henry, but we have to respect A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, even Corey Davis maybe, and Ryan Tannehill. Or do you think this is going to be nine men in the box, stop Derrick Henry, make him beat you um, through the pass? Uh, or do you think that they're going to be as balanced there for Tennessee here? I – the original question is like, you would think so, right? You would think they would stack the box. You would think that they would send guns a blazing to, to stop them. And like, yes, that makes sense in theory, but when the Titans were, were dominating in the playoffs, when they beat probably the two best teams, I think the Patriots are probably still a top three team in the league last year, no matter what. Their defense was so elite. And the Ravens, he had 30 and 34 rushing attempts. So, obviously, I don't think it mattered if they stacked the box. So, like, when you come into this year and you have – you literally bring in the same team except Jack Conklin, but you replace him with probably the best run blocking uh, tackle in the class and Isaiah Wilson, you wouldn't think they're going to change anything, right? I don't think they, – they signed him back. They gave him the contract that none of us thought they were going to give him because he's a one-dimensional back. They could have drafted a round three, round two running back to catch some passes, and they get Darrington Evans, which I, I really like Darrington Evans, but there was a reason he was at Appalachian State. There was a reason he wasn't running big-time games. So I think it really is Derrick Henry season once again. And I know we have different views on um, – I don't even want to say the consistency, but the consistency of returning. He in, in all of our heads, he should be a top-four pick, right? He should be in that tier one. But then it always comes back to he never – uh, does it at a week-on-week -week rate that you want. Obviously, the end of the season, he's always pretty high, always elite, but it's always coming at the end of the season. So how do we project that? We really can't project that. But coming to this year on the screen, if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube on the podcast, it's basically just a, uh, a graphic on Sharp Football Stats showing their, rushing, their schedule against rushing efficiency of their opponents. They rank number one by quite a bit. I don't like. There's not like actual numbers attached to it, but it's a chart and it's a huge gap from them to the next team. And if you look at their schedule through the scene around here, the, the hardest opponents are the Steelers, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Broncos. Besides that, it's pretty much a cakewalk for the other teams he plays. So I don't know if that's a big enough case to put him in that tier one, but I think it's a big enough case to not have second thoughts about him this year. Uh, Darrington Evans has been fumbling at practice, which has been a concern. Their other running backs are, yeah, I don't even know. I can't even name them. That's how, like, that's why, I, that's how bad they are. I guess you could say, or why they're not going to cause a huge role. So I think Henry's a lock for a top eight running back, just because the the role he's in. Whether that's five down to eight, I think I've ranked at seven uh, right now. So right around, really just in there in general. Um, Tannehill, I've gone back and forth on how I. If I actually want to draft him this year, because because I know the TD rate will drop, but then it goes back to that same argument I just made. Like, why will it drop? It's not like they're going to throw a bunch more attempts. It's not like they're probably not going to throw a bunch less attempts because they didn't even throw the ball that much. He was just that efficient because the looks were that good. So maybe the looks go away, but continuity usually wins out in terms of bringing on a new team. That being said, though, you have to be concerned in the playoff games where he would throw seven passes and they'd win the game. That has to be a little bit concerning, but I think that's a little more concerning for A.J. Brown, who I think is the most polarizing guy on this team to even, like, try to project um, because it's – I don't even – I haven't gone to the Titans yet. I don't even know, like, how many targets a game I'm going to give them. I, I, I just don't know. I guess the question – and whenever everybody, like, makes an argument for A.J. Brown, I remember when in the playoffs when he had three targets in, like, two games, like – and then they go, he's a rookie, but he was the number one wide receiver. He still is this year. So I don't really think it matters if he was a rookie or not. So I guess my original take on the, the division being easy to project, it's easy to project because he's the number one target. So however, many, however much of a market share you want to give to the number one receiver, that's going to him. It's not going to anywhere else. And then I think we're both pretty high on Johnny Smith uh, in the role that 
I don't want to say it's guaranteed, but it kind of seems like it has to be guaranteed that he is the number two pass-catching weapon on this team. Great. I love the breakdown, man. I'll start with Tannehill. So, again, the efficiency for Tannehill. I do I do see sticking around enough. Um, I'm not excited to draft him. I'll put it that way. However, he does have yeah. a sneaky he does have a sneaky run floor. He basically um, had the best three season passing uh, yardage total um, in NFL history behind only Dan Marino and Peyton Manning when he was with the Dolphins. Believe it or not, and he was injured for most of that time there. So the talent is there. I think Jono Smith, Jonu Smith, is one of my favorite tight ends. I've got him at tight end number eight. I mean, he's in my top ten. I want to put him higher, but I just haven't actually seen it yet. I just see how Delaney Walker played in this system for years, and Jono Smith is obviously ten years younger. Dude is a monster. <laughs> if you see him, he's he's kind of like this year's DK Metcalf shirtless photo going around mm-hmm. the internet now. I mean, the dude's a beast. Um, I think he's going to be great in this offense. A lot of these run first teams. Focus on the tight end off the uh, off the play action. We know about that, right? Travis Kittle or Travis Kittle, um, George Kittle, and uh, Mark Andrews, of course, uh, with those run first offenses there in Baltimore and San Francisco. So, I like Jonathan Smith a lot. Corey Davis, I'm going to fade until I see it. I know some people are kind of bringing up he's maybe this year's Devonte Parker, but again, until I see it happen, no, thank you. AJ Brown, I am excited about. I'm fading a little bit. I actually have DK Metcalf over AJ Brown. I think a lot of people have it the other way around. Because DK's the technically he's the number two on the sh- the sheet right now. I see him being the number one by the end of the season. AJ Brown is the number one for Tennessee, but again, you know, I heard an interview with AJ Brown where he was basically like, "Look, man, I think I can be one of these top you know wide receivers in the league." And his talent is his strength and everything bodes well for him. He idolizes Julio Jones. You know, that's kind of his dude. So if, you know, if he's 90% of Julio Jones ever, he's going to be incredible, especially in fantasy football. But there was, you know, a a conversation with him where he was like, look, man, like it took me a while to get going because the Titans just, you know, they're not that type of team. When Marcus was in there, you know, they weren't able to run those kind of plays. Like I was only getting three to five, six targets a game if I was lucky. So the opportunity share wasn't there. But you can see his efficiency was insane. He had the number one efficiency, right? Yards per reception in the league, 20.1 or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. When he gets the ball in his hands, he's he's a playmaker. So I think that they're going to make an attempt to make that happen furthermore this year. But again, I have to temper expectations because I have to see it. There's a lot of great talk this this time of season, but I have to make sure that it happens um, in that offense. Derrick Henry, of course, bona fide stud, but again, not so much in the passing game. So if you're in the full PPR leagues, I knock him down a couple of rungs, but if you're in half PPR, a best ball or standard leagues, if you're still playing non PPR leagues, I mean, there's a case to make him number two, I would say in a a standard Mm -hmm. league. And honestly, I don't know, man, if he does what he did over the last half from week 10 on last year, if he can do that over a full season, he's, he's a 2000 yard rusher. He's going to have 15 plus rushing touchdowns. And in a non PPR league, you could make a case that he is the number one pick overall ahead of Christian McCaffrey potentially there. So in a PPR league, which we talk about for the most part, I have, you know, Derrick Henry a little bit lower there. Um, but I just, they're an incredible team. I think that the efficiency is there. They're definitely a force to be reckoned with now in the AFC in general. Certainly uh, if Deshaun Watson and the Texans can't stay healthy, uh, the, the, uh, the Titans should be able to run away with this division. But I agree with you, man. It'll be interesting to see if they can come back and duplicate what they did last year because they were a very, very uh, magical story there in Tennessee. All right, let's move on to Houston. Let's get into the Texans here. Houston last year had kind of a, you know, again, they had a, a crazy game with the Bills there in the wild card. Um, they should have done more. I think that, unfortunately for the Texans, they've kind of underachieved the last couple of years. In my opinion, Deshaun Watson is a top, I don't know, six overall quarterback in NFL purposes and fantasy football um, right now with his talent and his abilities overall. But I think that, you know, again, they get rid of New Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins goes to Arizona. That's a perplexing move. But look, man, we got to see what happens. They bring in David Johnson from the Cardinals. Um, I don't think he's going to be terrible, but i like to hear your take on David Johnson. Talked about him a little bit yesterday with the Kamish boys in comparison with him or Le'Veon Bell. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But they bring it, they have Will Fuller still, who will hope he can stay healthy. They bring in Randall Cobb. Um I am a little bit concerned overall with uh this 
this offense in general, but again, we're talking fantasy football. If this team's defense can't hold it together, they're playing a negative game scripts. Deshaun Watson has to put the team on his back, and he's chucking it, and he's throwing the ball out of the backfield of David Johnson and the rest of these receivers. There could be some kind of sneak attack value here. Let's break down the Texans, man. Let's start with Deshaun Watson. We both have him top six, but we both have him at six. Is there a case to be made in the top five for him? Um, well, I mean, yes, the answer is yes to the question. The problem is who do you put him over? But I think that really is kind of like – I feel like the bigger question with him right now is, like, can he play with DeAndre Hopkins? And I am – if you listen to the podcast before, I'm big on yes because Hopkins is not a receiver that changes the game. He's a Michael Thomas that catches a bunch of passes that, that in theory, when you, like, just think of the game, like, yes, it's so huge. It's so beneficial. And I'm not here to say that Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller can make up for DeAndre Hopkins, but they can make up for his yards that are going to be vacated. And that's what gets you fantasy points. Not the it's, – it's hard to explain because like, I don't want to say, like, the, the connection between Hopkins and Watson doesn't get you fantasy points, but yards is the only thing that matters. And it's not like this team is going to go from whatever they have with Hopkins to subtract all of Hopkins' yards. That, there's no way they get those. It's going to happen. Their defense is brutal. Might be one of the worst defenses in the league. They just are lucky to have a good front seven or D line to to make up for whatever the heck they have going on in the secondary. So they're going to be running a lot of plays, a lot of pass attempts. My projections love David Johnson. Uh, Two hundred thirty-eight rushing attempts, forty-five targets, and eight total touchdowns. That yeah, that's pretty good. I but we talked about it yesterday. Like he's a player that you're either going to get what we think he can get, or you're going to get not even anything close to it due to. Maybe he's just not David Johnson. Maybe Bill O'Brien doesn't care. I don't really know what the scenario is. But then you have to go back to he didn't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins, trades him. Now he leads the league in wide receiver cap space allocated to wide receivers in his team. And he has one of the highest paid running back rooms in the NFL. So he's going to have to feed these guys he paid. So Watson, I think I have him ranked at five or six right now. I have him ranked at QB five. In tier two with Russell Wilson, Kyler's in tier three. So I think I think Watson is a much better pick than Kyler because in theory, what are we hoping Kyler becomes? What Russell Wilson or what Deshaun Watson does every year? So I think he's right in that five spot. Uh, David Johnson. I mean, we talked about it all yesterday. I'm not really uh, racing to pick him. Same with Bell, those guys. But if he's there at a value, he's a good pick. And I think the the big one I like is Brandon Cooks. I like him a lot. Um, the whole concussion thing, he's missed two games in the last four years. So, like, that's not a narrative that we want to play. Uh, my projections have about 109 targets, uh, 1,000 yards, and six, 6.3 touchdowns, right around six and a half touchdowns. And he does have 10 rushing attempts for 85 yards. So, he's he comes out of the projections really good, but it, it kind of makes sense that he has to, right? And he's currently going as the wide receiver, the wide receiver 36. So, I think he's definitely a really good value if I had to pick one off this team. Fuller's fuller. Um, I'm not even going to try and label what he is as if he's a sleeper or a bust or that. He's Will Fuller. So draft if, if you want Will Fuller on your team, draft Will Fuller. Fair enough. I didn't even bring in Brandon Cooks or Duke Johnson when I was doing the preview, so I apologize about that. Of course they do. Bring in Brandon Cooks, who's been a 1,000-yard receiver most of his career. Last year he came up short with about 700-plus uh, with a couple of injuries. But you're right, man. I think that the big concern with him and Will Fuller, of course, even Kiki QT, Kenny Stills, whatever – I think the biggest issue with this entire you know, Randall Cobb, even Randall Cobb's on his injury ridden uh, at this point, but he's older. Right. So I think it. my concern with Deshaun Watson is not Deshaun Watson. It's the rest of the pieces around him. I think the Texans who, by the way, have a brutal schedule to start the season this year. We've gone over that in previous mm-hmm. episodes, so I'm not in a hurry to draft Deshaun Watson. But I can see Deshaun Watson having to put the games on his back move, you know, in the first four five, six games of the season and, if he can produce fantasy wise, he could straight up be a top five quarterback over the first couple of weeks out of out of the need to scramble out of the pocket and get rush yards, throwing deep bombs and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are healthy. Um, having David Johnson healthy out of the backfield, Duke Johnson healthy out of the backfield. The Texans could potentially be incredibly fruitful for the first four to six to eight games of the season. My concern is, A, their schedule overall, B, the second half of the season, and I'm not going to project injuries and I'm not going to expect injuries at all. Unfortunately, this entire team, including Deshaun Watson with a torn ACL a few years ago himself, 
this entire team has injury history. And that concerns me overall. Now, if I'm going zero RB and David Johnson's my first running back in the fourth round, fifth round, I'm stoked on that. Lucas and I have talked about this a ton on the podcast, especially as of late. Mock drafts are insane right now. There's like 30 running backs coming off in the first 36 picks. It's ridiculous. If that happens, David Johnson's going in the third round, and there's no way I'm going to touch him there, period. Um, I'm going to be forced to go zero RB at that point anyway because the, t- the, the, the um, value is just going to be too insane everywhere else. But if you can get David Johnson as your RB2 or your RB1 and you have a stacked first three, four rounds uh, with zero RB approach, I like that a lot. But I'm not going to take David Johnson in the third round. Brandon Cooks, I hear you. You and I kind of went back and forth on the on the ranking sheet. I did it with Chris uh, Benavides, who was on for our, our rankings last week in wide receivers, and we talked about it. I have Fuller ahead of Cooks just because when Will Fuller's on the field, he's very efficient. He's the number one now. He's not going to be double covered, I don't think, because they have to account for a Brandon Cooks, who could be a number one on many other teams in his own right. I think Will Fuller's the number one by default just because he has the rapport with Deshaun Watson. Um, and then, of course, you have Randall Cobb over the middle as well. So this is going to be a very perplexing team. I have made it you know, very clear on this podcast multiple times. Deshaun Watson is number six for me behind Kyler Murray. <clears throat> but I will say this. If Nuke Hopkins, who has some hamstring issues right now, and it's still eh, we're a couple weeks out, I'm not going to super trip on it. But if Nuke misses any time or this hamstring becomes anything more than just a hiccup in preseason, Kyler's going to drop for me. I know he did what he did last. He was QB seven last year without Nuke, but I think that's going to change things a little bit with Arizona and Deshaun Watson. You, I think you said it great, Lucas. That Kyler's basically trying to do what Deshaun Watson does every year. That's true. But now he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. So there's a lot of question marks here with the Texans. Um, I'm not in a hurry to get anybody on the Texans. I'm going to make that clear. However, I would absolutely settle, or settle, I should say, for Deshaun Watson. I would settle for David Johnson. I would settle for Duke Johnson in the you know eighth, tenth round of a, of a zero RB approach. I would settle for any of these receivers deeper in drafts if I was already okay elsewhere but I'm not going out to target any of these guys personally. All right, man, let's jump into the Colts. But before we do, we'll just take another quick break to just rep the uh, Twitch handle. If you're listening to the podcast on the podcast streams, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else, please make sure to leave a rate and review for the TCK pod. We much appreciate that. But also come and check us out on Twitch. If you haven't seen our faces yet, uh, you want to put a name to the face, you want to put a face to the voice, come and see us on Twitch. That's Twitch dot tv slash chris landry football landry l-a-n-d-r-y chris landry football on twitch you can see all of the football networks here on landry football network landryfootball.com and of course if you're on the twitch family and you're tuning in make sure to go check out our podcast give us a rate and review there we much appreciate it also you can check out the youtube channel Uh, we have some other non-landry football uh, content on those channels as well. Some kind of bonus pods, if you will, that we do on the weekends when we're not live on these. So um, you can go check out some of that bonus content. And if you'd like to get involved with the Listener League again, please come and find us, leave a rate and review, send us a screenshot in our DMs. Let us know what you appreciate about the podcast and something that we can grow on as well. And then we will uh, evaluate your submission. And if we can get you in the league, we will send you that link invite. For those of you who have been listening, who have reached out, if I haven't got you the link yet, I will get it to you soon. I'm still evaluating all those. There's a lot of submissions, so I'm digging through them. But as soon as we can get you that, we will. If you've got yourself a draft guide and you have not yet got the Listener League link from Lucas or myself, I need you to reach out to us immediately. We're trying to vet all those, make sure that everybody that got the draft guide gets the Listener League link because you've already uh, qualified for that. But there are a couple of people kind of floating out there that may not have had it yet. So please help us help you. If you got the draft guide and you haven't heard from us yet to get that link, reach out to us via DM, Twitter, whatever it is, um, Instagram, Gmail, and let us know that you haven't got the link yet and we'll fire that off to you right away. We only have 24 available slots and we've got about 10 of those already accounted for. So it is filling up quickly. We want to make sure that you're involved in the TCK pod League if you would like to be. All right, man, let's move on here. We have the Indianapolis Colts next on the bill. Pretty exciting offseason for the Colts, I guess. Andrew Luck obviously retires before the season last year. It was kind of just a shot to the heart for all of us. They had a down season last year. Jacoby Brissett, not a terrible quarterback, but I think a career 
backup, couldn't really get him over the hump last year. Marlon Mack played really well, but they go out and they get Jordan, um, Jonathan Taylor, of course, who is arguably the number one rated running back coming in by most people uh, pre-draft. So the Colts get him number one offensive line, arguably in the NFL there. They also go out and they get Michael Pittman Jr., who you and I both like a lot. Um, he could potentially take over for T.Y. Hilton there as that number one big threat. They, of course, bring in also Phillip Rivers, longtime Charger, first team, uh, first year out of a Chargers uniform, and he is now the uh, Colts' starting quarterback. So lots to talk about here for the Colts. T.Y. Hilton trying to bounce back um, after kind of an injury-riddled season the last two years there. We have Zach Pascal, We have Paris Campbell. Uh, Jack Doyle, your boy there at tight end. We have Trey Burton who is on the Colts now, who had kind of a, a bunk season with the Bears last year with injuries, but played well with the Eagles before that. So lots to talk about here with the Colts. Let's start up at the top, as we always do. Phillip Rivers coming in here. He's kind of that perennial middle QB2. You know, he's kind of a QB15 on a good season, QB24 on an average season. Lacks the upside at this point in his career, but he's a safe option. Um, he's going to throw for 300 yards almost every single week. He's going to throw for three touchdowns almost every single week, but he does have a spike in touch in um, uh, interceptions pretty much every single year. So that kind of hurts in those leagues that knock for that. Um, but how do you think this transition is going to be for Phillip Rivers personally, a 20 year vet <laughs> heading to a new team finally, just as Tom Brady has um, in this COVID season? How do you think that transition is going to happen for Philip Rivers specifically, and then we'll get to the rest of his weapons. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about him transitioning. He is one of the, I don't even want to say all-time greatest quarterbacks, but I feel like he's one of like the all-time known quarterbacks, veteran. Professional QB. Yeah, yeah. no matter what you say about all his kids that he has, I mean, he needs one more to fill out a whole offense. Um, I think it's, well, I'm assuming with him, he could probably fill out, an, fill out an infield for sure. I think he's got eight so far. So yeah. So there. so uh, no, I think he's gonna be fine. In the transition in fantasy, I don't see a scenario where he would want. I would want to have him on my team. I think he's like, I don't know. I think comparing him to Jacoby Brissett in this offense is a bad comparison on paper or in theory, but I think on paper it really isn't. I think they kind of bring the same thing to the offense, and Brissett was not a very good. A uh, fantasy quarterback, if you will, wasn't wasn't really startable most weeks. Um, but I think transitioning into the skill positions is, I think, I mean, if you if you're on Landry or whatever, if you listen to like the actual podcast in the past, I'm a big time Frank Wright and Chris Ballard fan because they, I mean, if you ask me who the best front office is in the league, you would pair to the coaching staff. It's them. It's not even close. They 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 took the, the they had nothing. This team had nothing. They took the number three pick three years ago, turned it into Quentin Nelson. Turned it into uh, now I'm not, not even going to remember the outside Darius, linebacker Darius, Darius Leonard. Turned it into Braden Beast. Yeah, Braden Smith, which then turned into picks the next year into uh, the free safety from Ohio State that always gets hurt. I I probably should like read, read these down. Point being, they they took one pick and they turned it into their whole franchise. Say what you will about the money they threw at Philip Rivers, it doesn't matter. It's one year. They just wanted to make sure they had a quarterback. They drafted the best running back in the class, Michael Pittman, to add on to their weapons. This team is ready to compete. I don't know about the division, but I know if they make the playoffs, it'll definitely be a surprise team. Uh, for sure, the defense is kind of, eh, if you will. Their secondaries need need some pieces somehow. I don't know how they're going to get those. But uh, the running backs, this is a topic that we all knew this was going to happen, but it's been pretty drastic. So on the screen um, – Basically, what this is is from Rotoviz. It's a best ball. It takes the ADPs and like charts them out to see the differences. So this is so the beginning, the far left of this graph is when Jonathan Taylor got picked April twenty fourth to the Colts. The far right is as of today. So my thinking is, I have there was a whole graph all the way back to uh, January first. You would think that Marlon Mack would be higher than Jonathan Taylor in best ball ADP, right? Yeah, no, they were tied back in January. Marlon Mack has never been higher in terms of ADP than Jonathan Taylor. And as of now on the Fantasy Pros ADP, there's a 60-pick difference. I I just don't understand this pick. I I don't – the Colts are a smart team. They, they didn't draft Taylor because they needed a running back. They drafted Taylor because they don't need anything else on this team. They need a running back next year. 
And all the reports have been, we're going to run a committee. We're going to run a committee. Naeem Hines is going to be a crucial part of this offense. We're going to run a committee. There hasn't been reports saying Jonathan Taylor has been the only back in the in the uh, running with the ones. They all three have. Jonathan Williams has gotten some reps with the ones in camp, and apparently that is raising Taylor's ADP. That is making him rise up in rankings, and it just makes no sense to me. I get that Jonathan Taylor is going to finish higher. That's why I have him ranked higher come end of the season. But everyone's drafting him, and the reasoning is when he takes over halfway through the season, when he takes over at the end of the year, so you're drafting this guy knowing he's not going to be the main guy until the end of the year. You're just sacrificing a pick. He's not worth – I mean, it's a fourth-round pick. It's just still not worth it because you're getting a third split, a 50% split or whatever. Hines will only get so many, so many carries. And an offense that, yes, is good, but they still are going to use Marlon Mack. Frank Reich loves Marlon Mack. That's all he talks about is how good he is. And not to mention that Jonathan Taylor did not catch passes in college, so he's not going to catch passes in the NFL. Marlon Mack had more catches in college. You can stat check me. I'm fairly certain that's correct. And Marlon Mack has been pretty efficient catching the ball. So I think the running backs, I get the whole Jonathan Taylor hype. I think next year he'll probably be a back-end first-round pick if they don't add anybody else um, just due to the situation. But he's just not a good pick this year. Maybe trade for him in the middle of the season, but then again, everyone is in the first couple weeks. I don't know. He's just a guy that I'll probably just not try to mess with. Marlon Mack's a fantastic value. Uh, zero running back teams, if you can get him as your second, third running back, that's amazing. Nine Hines is a good value, the same zero RB builds. The receivers, um, eh, I think I don't – T.Y. is – he's not really that injury prone. I saw a uh, tweet uh, yesterday. He's played one more game than Devontae Adams in the past five years. And I, like, saw that, and I was like, okay, this guy pulled, like, two years prior to Adams coming into the NFL or something, something stupid just to make some dumb tweet. No, it's legit. So I don't know if he's necessarily injury prone. He he is, but he, I, eh. he's just kind of like any other receiver. So maybe take T.Y. if there's a good ADP dip. Um, Pittman, I think it's just a year too early for him, more of a dynasty prospect, if you will. Uh, my boy Zach Paschal, Paris Campbell, I don't know. I just think it's – it. If none of these guys were fantasy startable last year, I don't think they're going to be this year because they're probably going to run the ball a little more than they did. Uh, I know Pascal was like a spot start here and there, but nothing uh, fantastic, if you will. And then Jack Doyle. This is this is my this is my guy here on the ECR, the Fantasy Pros ECR. They added this new thing called sleepers this year, so that's where my rankings will be every week. We'll be on the site and the commission side and stuff like that. But we have to pick three sleepers at each position to see who's the best at picking sleepers. Keep in mind, this is like Matthew Barry and all these guys. I got to figure out who the hell I'm going to pick at tight end. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to go Jack Doyle because no one else is going to pick him. So Eric Ebron leaves tons of vacated production. I don't even want to say how much it is because who cares? They gave him $7 million a year contract. His competition is Mo Alley Cox, the huge, the huge six foot four, two sixty pound guy. Mo Ali Cox would have broken out by now, not in his fourth season if you're that big. He's just not good at football. Rivers, the, the guy that everyone says throws the ball to his tight end, apparently doesn't carry the narrative of this year. Average tight end finish in PPR of tight end seven. Doyle had 13 targets inside the 20. Ebron had 10. That's 10 targets inside the 20 vacated. I don't think those are going to go to TY, probably not Paris Campbell, maybe Pittman. And then they have Frank Reich, who is tight end room. I know this is a little bit skewed because he has Zach Ertz. Averages 157 targets a season. 157 targets. Even if you go, what, 80% of that, 135? I don't even know what it would be. That's insane for tight ends. And then you go, okay, well, there's receivers there. Okay, the receivers, T.Y. Hilton from Sports Injury Predictor, 46.2% chance for re-injury. Paris Campbell, 51% chance for re-injury. And a rookie is his competition. I don't know what I'm missing or what people are missing with Jack Doyle. They say, like, there's no upside. And uh, unless upside has a point definition of what it gives in fantasy, like volume is king in the tight end position. The, the, the touchdown volume Eric Ebron got was the only reason he was fantasy relevant. So now I just give all the tight end volume to Jack Doyle. He's probably one of the – I don't even know what his ADP is. He's probably one of the best – I don't even know he's a sleeper. He's just one of the best tight end picks outside of the top two that I think you can find this year. And I think people are kind of coming around to him, but I still think there's like that, I guess, gross factor of drafting a good tight end for fantasy. I don't really know what's bad about it, but just people just don't like it. And he's going to be really, really good for your fantasy team. He will get you 
seven targets for 50 yards and a touchdown or seven targets for 60 yards, and you won't be disappointed. Jack Doyle is currently going as the tight end 19 in yeah. the 14th round. He's going behind just a handful of guys here. Hawkinson, Kasicki's still that low. I think that'll change. Jonu Smith, Chris Herndon, who didn't even play last year, Blake Jarwin, Jack Doyle, and then Dallas Goddard. I think there's another sleeper in the AFC South that we're going to talk about next, who I guarantee you nobody on Fantasy Pros is picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you maybe can do that. That might be my guy for sleeper, but I like that pick on Doyle. Doyle was also tight end number seven a couple of years ago with uh, Andrew Luck, so he can definitely get it done. And we've talked a number of times about Michael Pittman and Jack Doyle are basically the only large targets outside of Mo Cox there for Phillip Rivers. And we know over the years, uh, Antonio Gates, Hunter Henry, Mike Evans, or Mike Williams, excuse me, Vincent Jackson years ago. Phillip Rivers likes those big targets, especially down in the red zone. So um, I like Jack Doyle. I think that's a great pick. I'll start back at the top here real quick. Phillip Rivers, again, not targeting him at all in a you know super flex league. If he's your QB3, I think you're great. That's a great floor. If you have an injury above him, I think he's going to be just fine. For years, I, in a league of record I have, I have a buddy of mine who's a Chargers fan, and he's picked literally picked Phillip Rivers in like the – 12th 15th round of our league of record for like literally a decade in a row because he knows he's going to be available he doesn't have to waste a pick on him and philip rivers is always a, a qb2 period and this guy is able to stack up on every other position he's won the league like three out of ten years which is pretty incredible with you know a bunch of competitive players and philip rivers isn't sexy but he gets it done i think he could still get that Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. I wanted to throw out the ADPs because you were talking about that real quick and just get your reaction real quick. So uh, currently, PPR leagues, this is Fantasy Football Calculator, which Lucas and I use other options when it's high-stake leagues when he and I are trying to do rankings. But I think that it's important to do Fantasy Football Calculator because it's what the public uses. I think that's more accurate here. So Jonathan Taylor currently going RB22. This is PPR. RB22 um, in the fourth round, early fourth round. Marlon Mack is going three rounds later and 11 running backs later. Is this a situation – you and I did a mock draft a few – I feel like it's a few months ago at this point. We did an RB-heavy mock draft. You and I took Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, and we took Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. I think those are our only running backs, if I'm not mistaken. And that might be a zero RB mock. I can't remember. Anyway, those were our – we locked up both of those backfields. Is this a situation, Lucas, where with your zero RB model that you've been, you know, staking the ground the last couple of weeks, is this a situation where you could get Jonathan Taylor as your first running back in the fourth round and then turn around and get Marlon Mack in the seventh and you lock up that backfield? Here's my thought. I agree that it's going to be 50-50 at least, and I do think Jonathan Taylor takes over in the second half of the season on talent alone. You've Everyone's seen the picture at this point. This dude looks like a linebacker, and he's playing running back. That's just – that's a problem for Marlon Mack. Yeah. However, however, you look at Marlon Mack when he was healthy last two years, he's a very elusive running back as well. He's a, he's a solid running back. You're not just going to come in and take his job when he's got the rapport. Now, Philip Rivers coming in, everybody's brand new, so I think that's interesting. But you're right, Frank Reich likes him, and that matters. So my question is, Would you take a, is there a scenario where you would take both of these guys, look to Marlon Mack for the first four weeks, and then look to maybe a timeshare, but then you have Jonathan Taylor in the back end, or are you targeting one of these guys, or are you staying away from either of them? Because it should be a legitimate timeshare unless one of them gets injured. I think like the, the question of like stacking running backs is definitely like a it's definitely like a, a hot topic I would say in fantasy and it's hard for me to say because that's like on you would think yes but then like I go back to what what would be the reason that you would be wanting to do this right you would be wanting to in theory draft the starting running back for the first half and then draft the starting running back for the second half and I think this theory is really a thing because Nick Chubb Denny, he didn't even take over the backfield. Carlos Hyde got traded. Like he did. And I think this is this is the thing where everyone's like, well, Jonathan Taylor will do what Nick Chubb did. What? Wait for Marlon Mack to get traded because the team is awful. Like that's just not what's going to happen. So like I think the answer is when we did it in theory, yes. And I, but I think more that I like think about it, it, it really is no because 
it if I have Jonathan Taylor on my team, I don't want to start Marlon Mack over him week one. Same with Dobbins and Ingram. And it's not even like that I think he'll outscore him. It's just the fact that like you would think that Jonathan Taylor would score more points, right? So that it just kind of like messes with your head that like I don't know in in the best case scenario, you probably just want to not take the more expensive one because we really don't know how it's going to get projected out. I I made the case that they would they would cut Marlon Mack before the whole COVID thing started because they probably would have if they had a whole offseason for Jonathan Taylor to get to get worked in. But now they need that depth. They can't just cut Marlon Mack. So I think now it's just more of a red flag to even draft Jonathan Taylor, to even draft uh, J.K. Dobbins, guys like that. So I just – I don't know. It's tough for me, but I also play fantasy safe to a certain extent. And I think like – I don't know. The, the, I don't even like saying upside anymore because the term just gets thrown around so much that there's not even a, a definition of it anymore. So I just, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around getting Jonathan Taylor or Dobbins because the, the 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 general term is when they take over the backfield in the last half of the season. That that is just as uncertain as projecting the running the the split at the beginning of the season. So we do, there's no good way to do it. So probably just fade. Um, in general, but in a best ball league, I think that that strategy is viable because that makes sense. Because you're just you would just be taking the highest uh, scoring running back every single week. What if you win RB heavy? And I'll just make it up. But let's say you get um, Derrick Henry, uh, um, Austin Eckler in the first two rounds. You go, I don't know, Kenny Galladay. And then in the fourth round, you're looking at the running back heavy approach, which I'm getting blasted in my DMs constantly that people want to do that and they're asking me how to do it and blah, blah, blah. At that point, Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round is your third running back. You can afford – here. here's the deal. You can afford yeah. for him not to be Jonathan Taylor for half the season because you have Eckler and you have Henry in this case. So you know that you're getting a fourth round pick that you're basically not counting on right away, but maybe you get you know a James White later, Tariq Cohen, uh, a Raheem Mostert in the sixth or seventh that you can throw in and wait for it. In that scenario, if you're willing to take that risk and you believe in it, if that hits, dude, <laughs> that is yeah. nasty. If that hits, yeah. that is nasty down the in, stretch in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't even know if it's like if it hits. But here's the thing. He will be the majority back by the end of the season. That's just what's going to happen. Unless this team is like, uh, I don't know, 12-0. and 0. Say they're 9-0 running 50-50. They're going to run 50-50. They're not just going to be like, oh, we, we drafted him in the second round with our second pick. Not even like there was like the priority. They took a receiver first over him, and they're like, holy crap, probably the greatest college running back of all time just fell to our lap. That's our second pick in the draft. So I think – in that strategy, I guess like my initial like advice would be like, why don't you just take James Conner, Chris Carson, something like that? Because then if you you're still taking Taylor, waiting on when he takes over the backfield by sacrificing that wide receiver position, then you still basically have to fill your flex position with a player that you feel more confident in playing every week. So to me, you're just sacrificing way too much. Um, and that kind of goes back to if you guys listen to the commission, the Zero RB podcast that you that would decrease your winning percentage tremendously right off the rip because the guys you could have drafted around him are going to be projected and outscore him in the first six to seven weeks. If James Conner stays healthy, like, and that's why his ADP is there, but even the first two weeks, he'll probably get you 20 points a game. That's just what's going to happen. Yep. Jonathan Taylor, he could score 20 points a game, but the range of outcomes is probably 9 to 10. 11, 12, I would say is pretty like nine might even be a lot for a minimum. It might be six to seven. So yes and no. If you do that, then I would go and get, I don't know. I don't even want to say like Marlon Mack, but like you need to fill that early season gap, whether whether that might be Mark Ingram, which I don't even know if that's, they could be more of a split than the Colts could uh, with Lamar, Mark Ingram, and uh, J.K. Dobbins. So just kind of weird um, situations with the rookie running backs when in, in most in most years you're just like take the older guy at the ADP and then be done with it. That's usually what happens. No one was taking Nick Chubb who literally got picked the same – I'm pretty sure the same pick slot as Jonathan Taylor. No one took Nick Chubb in fantasy drafts. So why this year? Why, why did that change now? Because we see these guys due to 
a player getting traded above them or a guy getting hurt emerge. It's just kind of like off balance in the approach on it. Yeah, fair enough. We haven't even talked about Naheem Hines. He's kind of a dark, you know, kind of a dark horse. Um, he's not just a pass catching back. I mean, he, he's a legit running back, but he is third in line now. I think he's kind of a poor man's James White. Uh, I would, you know, James White, Tariq Cohen, then Naheem Hines is the way I would I would go about those. You know, Duke Johnson, I think, is ahead of him as well, personally. Um, I think he's going to have his games. He's, he, you know, he's good for a touchdown or two randomly. But again, more of a best ball thing, not really a consistent starter unless one of these running backs were to get hurt. T.Y. Hilton, I faded him. I had a, a great uh, episode with Kamish, um, with Chris Benavides uh, a couple weeks ago, which was basically big names without the big value. And one of the guys I faded was T.Y. Hilton. And <clears throat> although he hasn't been ex- extremely um, uh, injury prone, as you mentioned, played one more game than Devontae Adams, whatever. The difference is, though, it's like it's like the LaShawn McCoy thing that was a couple years ago where it was still LaShawn McCoy. You're still like, dude, this guy could pop off 150 total yards and three touchdowns any given game. The problem is he literally came off the field every single week two or three times. Like yeah. That's just what happened. T.Y. Hilton doesn't miss games every week, but he comes off the field for a drive here and there. He has a, a, a you know a twenty six yard gain, which is great, but then he comes off the field for five or six more, um, you know, uh, plays in a row after that. You know, it's just like the inconsistency of what he does. I just don't want anymore. Ty was incredible. He led the league in receiving yards a few years ago, but there's other guys that with the consistency that I want from him, and I do believe, and I'm higher than on Michael Pittman than you are. I do believe that. The combination, at least, of Pittman, Pascal, and and Paris Campbell, com, uh, comboed with Naheem Hines, comboed with the running backs, comboed with your boy Jack Doyle. All those things, I think, take away from a bona fide number one for T.Y. Hilton. I just don't think it's going to happen. Could he finish with the most targets, the most yards, maybe the most touchdowns on the Colts? Sure, but is he T.Y. Hilton of old and consistent for your roster? No. Could he have eight receptions for 130 yards and two or three touchdowns? any given week? Absolutely. But I think he could also miss a couple of games anytime. And I think he could get a back seat depending on how this offense develops wanting to run the ball and protect Phillip Rivers. So I'm a little, I'm concerned about T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to take a chance on the other guys way deep in drafts. The rest of them are free. So you can just take a flyer anyways. And uh, of course I love uh, both the running backs. I just think you need to be careful with that. And Jack Doyle, we've already covered there. I think that's a great late round uh, sleeper tight end there. All right, man, let's, uh, we got about five more minutes. Let's jump into the Jags, our last team in the AFC South. And we're going to finish up the AFC next week. We are coming back with the NFC breakdowns starting with the NFC West on, or I'm sorry. Uh, yep. NFC West on Monday. So the, the Jags, I think are, are the most, um, exciting the most fun team in the AFC South in my opinion of course that starts with our boy Garner Minshew the mustache the jorts um a more exciting Baker Mayfield if you will without the negative attitude uh for fantasy I'm gonna let you kind of you know or I'll dive into either way the Kyler comparisons but Garner Minshew was fantastic I think he's a great sleeper quarterback right now Leonard Fournette finished RB7 last year with three touchdowns Phenomenal. I mean, he had 100 targets, 75 receptions. Those are all going to come down, but the workload is going to be there. He's been a bona fide RB1 the last three years. I think perennially slept on even so. Even now, I think he's got the lowest ADP of his career so far in fantasy league. We'll talk about that. They bring in Chris Thompson, who's played under Jay Gruden for years in Washington. Injury prone-ish, but definitely a wide receiver um, out of the backfield. And then DJ Chark, who I know that the commission boys love, and has a huge upside. And then they bring in LaVisca Chenault, of course, in the draft. And then my guy, Tyler Eifert, even has a better run now because, you know, they've had another tight end go down on the IR. If Tyler Eifert stays healthy, he could accidentally have 80 <laughs> targets for 60 receptions, 600 yards, and six touchdowns. And I think that's a floor. And we all know that that right there gives you a tight end one and nobody is drafting Tyler Eifert anywhere. That's my Jack Doyle. I think this year I said that about two months ago. I'm sticking by it. Lucas, we'll start at the top here, man. we got about five minutes left in the program. So why don't you blaze through the Jags real quick, and I'll follow you up. Let's start up at the top with Garner Minshew. 
Yeah, I mean, if you aren't drafting Gardner Minshew by now, you don't deserve to draft him is basically what it comes down to. Ooh, he, ooh Steph. He, I, he'll probably be my sleeper on the ECR thing, but then again, I think he'll be everyone's sleeper. So I, I got to maybe fade, fade the public a little bit on that one. Um, Fournette, the thing – the thing about like the Fournette Lev Bell tier with this whole like volume sucks, no upside, but like then again, the only thing that matters is fantasy points, is yes, he had hundred targets and finishes the RB seven. They're gonna go down a little bit, but let's not like act like injury prone, like legit injury prone Chris Thompson is gonna take away a lot of targets. I have projected at forty eight targets, comes out to about two hundred and seven fantasy points. That goes right down to his his ADP dip. Like he's he's still a good pick at his ADP. He's going to see the volume. I don't think injured or COVID list um, backup that I drafted on my leagues. I don't know who it is now. Rico oh, Armstead. Gosh. Yeah, Rico Armstead. He, he's on the COVID list. He's not coming off for a while. And I don't think Divino Zigbo are taking carries from them. Chris Thompson is maybe going to take a like two carries a game and probably three or four targets a game away from him. He's still a decent pick. If he's your RB2 and you like going to RBRB, or if you like going receiver, receiver, tight end, Leonard Fournette, I don't mind that either. I think it's a good um, strategy there. Chark, yeah, I, I didn't really like uh, – I wasn't really beating the drum for him, but I think where he's going and kind of like the, the persona around him, I think he's still a good pick. Kind of that like risky sort of two – that showed he could be a one for a long-term stretch last year. So I think he's definitely a good pick. And then Chenault. Chenault is the one guy that I really, really like. Um, mm. I don't know about – it's tough because, like, I like him in terms of, like, what he'll produce this year. His dynasty outlook's amazing. His best ball outlook's fantastic. But then, like, redraft is, like, when will I play him? But if he really gets the rushing work that they said he's going to get and that he got in college, I think he's going to be – I hate comparisons, but Debo Samuel White and the way he was used in the playoffs, which is 12 to 13 points per game, if he's used that way, um, and that could fix their goal their goal line rushing problems. He could be their goal line rusher for all we know. Cordero Patterson, like if you will, so I like I like Chenault quite a bit. And then I mean, yeah, Eifert is. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Josh Oliver is out for the season now. The the guy that probably was going to start from possibly. So yeah, I mean, I think it, in theory, like the the process behind that pick makes sense. Dude, love it. Quickly, I got two minutes. Garner Minshew, I love it. And, you know, again, basically had an adequate season, similar numbers to Kyler Murray on a game-to-game basis. Obviously did not finish as high as Kyler Murray because he played three less games. But Garner Minshew could make it happen. He has kind of a sneaky ability to run. There's there's a clip that's run around Twitter over the summer. I've seen it like five different times from multiple different people. It's literally just three minutes of Garner Minshew in the pocket – scrambling that's all it is and it's it's not like it's a different scramble it's like him moving in the pocket effectively with his you know a body language downfield his vision downfield and he's avoiding pass rushers like a nimble tom brady kind of a thing right and it's very impressive dude like this fucking guy is able to really dip and dodge inside the pocket and then bust out a run if he needs to and able to buy more time similar to uh, uh, russell wilson dj chark i think is excellent um, he's going to be a great, I think, young stud in this league for a long time. LaVisca Chenault, I agree with you. They can get the ball in his hands as a receiver, a running back in the slot, deep, whatever. He's going to make it happen, you know, similar to Debo Samuel was able to last year for the Niners. As far as Leonard Fournette, man, do me a favor, Lucas, while I'm talking here. Bring up your rankings, your running back rankings for me. I got a quick question as we get out of here. I do like Leonard Fournette. I'm a little concerned because last year, again, I mean, the efficiency inside the goal line is just going to change. Same thing with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb gets another 15 carries on the goal line. I promise you he doesn't, you know, have negative 19 yards or whatever the hell it was. He's going to score five touchdowns, I'm sure, by default. All right. Leonard Fournette, same thing. The the big thing from Leonard Fournette is he's kind of a poor man's Derrick Henry, right, I think overall. But Derrick Henry has that breakaway long-time speed. I think Derek Hen- or uh, Leonard Fournette just doesn't have that breakaway speed anymore. Before we get out of here, man, I got a quick question for you. Leonard Fournette, where do you have him ranked? And give me five running backs after Leonard Fournette. He's my 16 and a half PPR right now. I have Love Bell, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, and David Johnson, and David Montgomery are the five directly after him. But they're all in my they're all in my tier five. In current ADP right now, Lev Bell is at 16. 
Chris Carson, 17, Todd Gurley, 18, David Johnson, 19, Melvin Gordon, 21, and right in between that, Leonard Fournette at RB20 in PPR. Yeah, like he's, he's still a good pick. That's he's like a great – he's a he's not a sexy pick like David Johnson. I don't want to target him. But if he falls to me in the back of the third round as my RB3 if you go heavy or he's my RB1 and I got two stud receivers, I'm pumped on that. Tyler Eifert, I'm going to ride the train all the way to the end. Chris Johnson – or Chris Thompson – no, thank you. I'll pass there. All right, man, we're up against it. We got to get out of here. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Check us out next week, Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 Eastern, on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry. Football, catch all the Landry football here at LandryFootball.com. Leave us a rating review. Join the Listener League. Get the draft guide for Lucas Kaser. I'm Sky Guasco, episode 247 in the books, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.